is caught. It's history. A Cardinals four-game sweep of the Cubs and Wrigley for the first time since 1921. St. Louis back in the postseason. First time since 2015. A Wrigley Field massacre. And how sweet it is. And Bader launches one out to deep left. Into Big Lynn and he hit the painting. He hit the painting for Fred Bird. You've got to be kidding me. Welcome back to a belated episode of Prospects After Dark slash Conversations with Saruti. Uh, this is Ben Saruti at Birds on the Black with Kyle Reese, and we are back to talking about Kyle's dirty flirty this year, his top 40 prospects in the St. Louis Cardinals organization. He uh, and I decided to kind of take a little break when baseball took a break. We said, uh, if you guys are going on hiatus for 99 days, so are we. And we got to spend some time with our families and uh, and other stuff like that. But now that baseball is back, now that it has started up, we are getting started up as well. And today, on episode six of season two, we've got prospects 16 through 20, or we will go reverse of that. So prospects 20 through 16. Before we start, Kyle, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Ben. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, Do you have a good uh, three month break there between pa- between uh, between prospect countdowns? Happy New Year! <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas! Happy <laughs> New Year! <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm energized by the start of spring training. Uh, seeing some of these kids get in some games. And I'm glad that we're going to do these last four podcasts and maybe even another one, uh, which we'll talk about later, you and I. Uh, I we'll, we'll do these last four podcasts and have them out for the people as they are seeing some of these more prominent names in uh, in Cardinal jerseys. Yeah. So speaking of which, um, I know that at least two of the players we're going to talk about in this episode have made spring debuts with the club. And I know that... I tweeted a retweeted about one of them earlier today, something that Jeff Pontes put out um, and we love his work. So I figured I'd retweet him and make sure that, that other people got to see what he said about this guy. Um, let's go through the five prospects first uh, for tonight. We've got number 20. It's, it's a lot of pitching tonight, a lot of pitching heavy. Uh, the one position players defense heavy. So we're working on a defense and pitching prospect list this evening. Um, number 20 is right-handed pitcher Edwin Nunez. Number 19 is right-handed pitcher Gordon Graceffo. Number 18 is right-handed pitcher Markevian Hentz. Number 17 is right-handed pitcher Freddie Pacheco. And number 16 is defensive wizard shortstop Dalvin Perez. Um, Let's just jump right in. Number 20, Edwin Nunez. Uh, You put up a long time ago now, like months and months ago, you put up these articles at birdsontheblack.com. And in that article on Edwin Nunez, you, um, I'm going to kind of challenge you on what you said. I'm going to come out and say that based on what you wrote, he shouldn't be number 20 ahead of some of those other guys we already discussed back in episode four of my season two 
of conversations with Saruti. I'm putting my foot in the ground where you wouldn't, because it seemed to me that you got convinced to put him at 20 ahead of some of these other guys. So convince me and maybe yourself that I'm wrong and Nunez should be 20th. Um, I'm glad that we're starting. This is the great way to start because I think that if I were to do these rankings over again right now as we enter the 2022 season, it is 2022, right? Yeah, the 2022 season, uh, that I would probably do re-rankings altogether. And I think that this might be a com- not a completely different order, but specifically with prospects 5 through 20, I could very well see that being tweaked. Uh, my issue with Mr. Nunez here is that he just doesn't throw enough strikes. And that's, you know, granted, he's a kid, you know, what is he? He's, uh, he's, t- he's 20 years old. Um, he just doesn't throw enough strikes. And that's fine. Uh, hopefully he gets better. But I think now more and more about the kids that we've seen struggle at the major leagues, the kids we've seen struggle at the minor leagues, even with immense talent. And Edwin Nunez has some of the most raw tools of any pitcher in the Cardinals organization. But it's not easy to throw strikes. Uh, it's not easy to throw strikes if you're not good at throwing strikes in the first place. Not if you're a fringy strike thrower. And when you're walking people at a near 20% clip, uh, you're flirting with disaster. Now, he has a high spin, uh, a high spin slider, a high spin four seam. Um, you know, I believe he throws a two seam in there. All of those pitches are are higher than league average. Awesome things. Uh, and, you know, his he's a big kid, and you can project it, and you can see it. Uh, and he's only been stateside for one year. And you're talking about following that 2020 season where baseball didn't happen for kids, uh, you know, prospects. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things working against him. He's a big body who maybe doesn't control his body as well as some other people. Uh, so where I go back and forth is Edwin Nunez is the ultimate talent versus production you know he's 20 now but teenage prospect and it's kind of a great microcosm of what it's like evaluating these kids in the first place because it isn't easy it's tough um so he has to go in the top 20 because he has the best like some of the best raw stuff of any pitcher in the organization he has to go in the top 20 for that like i need to be better uh for the audience about making sure that I include these players in the top 20, even if I am worried about the execution of their talents. But he hasn't got there nearly enough yet uh, from a production standpoint for me to feel comfortable bringing him in. So uh, in a very manufactured way, the middle point between prospect one and prospect 40 is 20. This is the ultimate debate to me between production and filthiness. So right in the middle he goes. Uh, and if he was a little older, he'd probably be a little further back. But since he's entering his age 20 season, uh, there's an argument to be made that he could be 15. There's an, probably an argument to be made that he could be 10. Uh, but I decided to slot him right in the middle uh, because of that. All right. So to put some numbers to this, besides the one Kyle gave, the ones Kyle gave, uh, more scouting numbers here. And I know Kyle doesn't really care what Fangraphs has to say. So ah. I'm going to use Fangraphs because it's another tool for listeners to look at on their real 2020. Fast, real fast. Yeah, I want to say no, no disrespect to Fangraphs. No, 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 no. Sorry. I should have mentioned that. No disrespect yeah. to the guys over there at all. Um, but I know Kyle does his stuff before he'll even open any other sites and, and, and see anything uh, just from past conversations with Kyle. Um, 
So the the high end and the low end here with Nunez, they have his potential for his fastball, and it doesn't mention two seam or four seam here, but the potential for his fastball on the twenty to eighty scouting scale as a seventy. Now this is prior to twenty twenty one. Um, so this is not this year's version. They don't have the Cardinals up yet for that, but they have his current command, which is what Kyle was saying was rough for him at a 20. Yeah. Boys and girls, that's the lowest it could possibly be. 70 is almost perfect. So, uh, there we go. There's the, the, the difference there between the scouting and the stats sort of. Yeah. Um, go ahead. And that, I was going to say that slider, it, it can act like a curve, like on the axis, it, it, it looks almost more like a curve, like a filthy, filthy curve, but it's the same kind of thing there. That slider uh, has above <laughs> average uh, spin and he just doesn't command it well enough. And to me, that starts with the body. Uh, you know, he's, he's well put together. It's not like he has a sloppy body like Oviedo had at the same age. Um, but he, uh, you know, he just, he doesn't control his body. Like you would suspect a lot of 19 and 18 and 20 year old kids. Don't. Yeah. He's a 20 year old who's, it says here is six, three, one eighty five. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of body to work with and, and has to figure it out still. Yeah. Um, who didn't have a lot to figure out at 20? Um, Man, you're telling me. <laughs> uh, I think you and I are close to double that and we have a lot to figure out still too. Um, Darn tootin'. <laughs> all right. So, I love the juxtaposition here because the next guy on the list is Gordon Graceffo at 19. And he has been, correct me if I'm wrong, one of your favorite picks the last couple of drafts for a while now. Um, And I do like the fact that he seems to be a guy who, opposite of Nunez, just flat out knows how to pitch. The Cardinals seem to be finding more of these guys, although it seems like lately they've rarely gotten to the bigs uh, as of yet. Do you see um, kind of an organizational shift coming here? Do you think this is just a, a one-off, you know, they found this guy that they really liked that can also pitch um, and then dive into Gordon Graceffo himself? I think that we're about ready to find out how good the front office and the scouting department has been in identifying pitchers starting in the 2019 draft, right? So, uh, Graceffo was a fifth round draft pick out of Villanova in 2022. And we have yet to see any of the arm heavy 2019 picks make a debut just yet. And, uh, in that shortened 2020 draft, you had Ian Bedell, who's coming off of Tommy John surgery, uh, Levi Prater, who had, uh, the lefty out of Oklahoma, who had an up and down 2021 season at Palm beach, um, and then Tink Hentz, who will be making his full season debut. And who I'm, we'll be talking about here in a second. Uh, am I right? I don't even yeah, remember he's, what he's he next. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what I'm oh, getting at you is... Him, you called him Tink, and I was told that that was not allowed. Yes! Oh, my God. I can't believe I just did that. Oh, I'm <laughs> um, better than that. Yeah, Markevian. We'll get to Markevian here in a second. <laughs> uh, um, so I, all that's to say is, like, we're about ready to start seeing the fruits of the scouting labor and it's going to start with some of the prospects we've already talked about, some of the prospects we're going to talk about. And I firmly believe that Gordon Graceffo, with his uh, high velo, uh, above-average spin fastball, his developed changeup, and his increasingly intriguing slider, along with positive command, uh, the ability to suppress power, and the ability to put the ball on the ground, 
it has all of the trappings of a major league pitcher. Um, some of the things we talked about on pad is with a guy like this, who you could see rising through the organization very quick. And by the way, we tweeted about it a second ago. Uh, but the, the fact that the Cardinals got this kid in the fifth round and they had to pay over slot for him. That's, that's as good of scouting and drafting as you're ever going to get. You know, I think back to, uh, to Tommy Edmond, I think back to Andrew Kisner, uh, Ryan Helsley, you know, all these guys who were drafted outside of like the top hundred uh, the Cardinals have been really good. And Andre Palante, he falls in Palante. He falls into that too. You know, he's, these are all major league producers uh, that are drafted outside of like the top hundred picks, the top, you know, 75 picks. Uh, and Graceffo is going to be one of those guys. Uh, he's developing that breaking pitch. It's getting better, but the fastball changeup with his command, the the question with him is, I mean, I view him as a starter long-term. You know, we, we, we saw it in a tweet today. He's been up to 97, up to 98, touched a hundred. Um, I view Gordon Graceffo as maybe a quick contributor. Uh, maybe within the next, maybe by the end of the 2023 season. Like I could very well see that happening. And if not sooner than that, like we could be talking about him entering spring training in 2023, the way that we're talking about Andre Pallante entering spring training 2022. Uh, he just, he has all of these tools, including that bulldog mentality, that competitive nature, baseball IQ and smarts. And that's a kid who's going to maximize all his talents. And we're seeing that. So as long as he can stay healthy, uh, I don't think I've liked a draft pick that the Cardinals have made as immediately outside of Jordan Walker and then Gordon Graceffo. He just, the minute I saw him, the minute I watched him, I was in that the Cardinals drafted him. I was in like, and then after they drafted him and I started really doing the work to see that his velocity had increased since the COVID shutdown, to see that his command had gotten better, to see the way that he suppressed power. Like this is, uh, this is definitely one of those guys, if I were to re-rank, he'd be higher. And one of those guys that it's time for Cardinal Nation to realize that he's probably going to make it to the majors sooner rather than later. So just for a little more statistical info on Gordon Graceffo, because that's what I'm good at. Kyle's good at the stuff that matters, really. Um, he threw 69% strikes last year. Keep in mind, this is only 29 innings, He th- or 26 innings, sorry. He threw to a total of 116 batters. So this isn't like a world-shaking, uh, earth-shattering amount of batters he's facing at all. Um, but 69% strikes. He struck out... Over 31% of batters. He walked under 8% of batters. He got ground balls on 61% of his balls in play. This is just a guy who, and he did it out of out of relief, though, um, mostly. Um, but he's a guy who started in college, started in Cape Cod Summer Ball, um, started in uh, the New England Collegiate Baseball League when he was there for a summer, and and hopefully... Hopefully he'll be starting this year. Is that where – that's obviously where you'd have him. Do you have any info saying that's where the Cardinals are going to – put him or no i have no idea no no my guess is that uh uh, um like for me and it seems like we're getting positive reports again jeff pontus uh uh, put some video i think it was jeff it might have been somebody else Um, yeah yeah put some video up and if if he's contributing you know 2020 is such a weird thing because it didn't happen and then the cardinals got aggressive with some pitchers but i don't think i would understand why he wouldn't have a chance at Springfield, especially as I've been trying to work out the depth chart. And when I say depth chart, 
I'm not working at the depth chart. I'm working on the roster projections at the minor league level, trying to figure out how that's all going to go. Like I could see an avenue for him to start at Springfield if they thought he was ready. And he's a little bit younger. Like he's not, he's not like a a old or advanced for his age like that. Like he's, he's, he'd be age appropriate for a high A Peoria, but I don't think that he would wilt underneath the pressure of double A. Okay. Awesome. All right, another person to get excited about. We just talked about, uh, don't call him Tink, Markavian Hence. Uh, he was drafted in 2020. He's number 18 on this year's version of the Dirty Flirty. Uh, he pitched all of eight innings in his first professional season. Um, he's a guy who, on the opposite end of things, uh, did not have the production you would have wanted out of him. Um, he had, uh, let's see, he had a ton of strikeouts, which is great. So he struck out 34%, did walk under, under just over 7%, but um, allowed a run an inning. He had a FIP up over four, an ex-FIP of just under four, which isn't terrible. A ground ball percentage of only 25%. Lots of fly balls off of him. Um, a reasonable about, a reasonable amount left the yard. Um, but he is also a guy, uh, first of all, why only eight innings? Were they holding him back? Were they checking things out when he got there? Was uh, there just an overabundance of pitchers they needed to get innings before him? Any idea on that? Yeah, he was nursing a little something. Um, again, not my information to share, uh, but he looks ready and ready and poised to go. You know, um, the Cardinals, again, I, I don't know anything, but my, my guess is that just watching how things went at the lower levels, um, it seemed like the Cardinals specifically with those 18, 19 year olds, some of their more highly touted draft prospects, uh, highly touted international signing prospects that were being a little bit more cautious with. And uh, other, you know, so there's no reason to go full throttle with Tink Hens if he's feeling a little achy uh, with Markevian if he's feeling a little achy. So, yeah, I, I don't I can't really speak to it uh, other than to say that I think that there is a reason why everybody nationally didn't bail on Markevian Hens the way that maybe they would bail on somebody else who had eight innings pitched and uh, maybe some alarming uh, numbers otherwise. Uh, it's because he's. He's a very polished, very athletic, very easy-throwing young man. So uh, the numbers that did stand out to me were those K-to-walk numbers that I mentioned. They were fantastic. Uh, I believe in your article, uh, you're, uh, you know, I'd ask what you make of him, but I believe the direct quote was, there might not be a pitcher in the organization with more upside than hence. So yeah. let's talk about that upside. Um, polished, um, athletic, you kind of just mentioned easy going like in terms of motion what else has he got going for him <clears throat> yeah you know so the, this is this becomes fun too with uh with edwin nunez because the difference between hence and nunez is hence throws strikes he has that ability to throw strikes uh and he has athleticism and a little bit more body control even though one of the issues with hence is that he just doesn't seem like he's putting on weight just yet uh you know it doesn't seem like he's He's still pretty wiry, which is, you know, an issue, uh, but it's not that big of an issue. We're starting to see maybe some major league pitchers who are, uh, uh, you know, working with with less uh, from a weight standpoint. But look, it's just with with hence he can get his fastball in the mid the mid 90s. He has a really good curveball sometimes. Of course, the changeup is still coming. You know, I don't know if he's working on a slider or if he's working on a cutter or anything like that, but he's just. He's all that athleticism and projectability that you would want out of a pitcher of that size. 
And again, he has those smarts, you know, he's, he's in control. He's a good kid. He's a smart kid. He's, he's again, not to keep harping on it, but he's athletic in his motions. He repeats his delivery exceedingly well uh, for someone his age, especially with as easy, as easy as he throws with the velocity that he's capable of getting to. So all of these things work in his favor, uh, along with measurable, uh, the measurability of his arsenal. I like the comparison to Edwin Nunez there. So it makes me think, okay, I can kind of picture both of their stuff a little bit better is that their, their stuff seems to be similar, but Markevian hence last year threw 77% strikes when he pitched and Edwin Nunez threw 53% strikes. And, and that can go to show exactly what the command grades for these guys might be talk or control, depending on what site you're looking at, kind of go to yeah. talk about it. And it definitely explains why hence is ranked higher on your list. And even though he's younger and hasn't pitched as much too. And I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen. What I like to do is try to create relevant scenarios uh, that create context for Cardinal fans. But this this could be the Edwin Nunez, Marquee and Hence conversation could be what we were having about Sandy Alcantara and Junior Fernandez. You know, uh, what was that, five years ago now at this point? Where, Probably. Yeah, the, uh, 2016, right? That would have so been... Six, yeah, six, because they got traded for... Or Al- Alcantara got traded for... for... Marcel. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been, yeah, six years ago, probably. Can we talk about how awesome it was that we got to see Marcel try to scale the wall and then jump for a baseball? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. I think Tara can speak to that better than anybody. She was there, right? Oh, God. I think so. I'm pretty sure she was there. Uh, But to, uh, yeah. So, anyways, just from like a contextual standpoint, like we're still seeing Junior Fernandez who had command issues. Uh, struggled to find his place in the Cardinals bullpen. And maybe that's Malcolm Nunez. You know, we know that Junior Fernandez has some, or uh, I said Malcolm, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, I've been working so, I've been working so hard mentally. And then the minute I let that barrier down, (laughs) I blow it. But uh, yeah, you know, I I think that there's a comparison to be made here between Markevian Hentz and Sandy Alcantara and Junior Fernandez and uh, 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 Edwin Nunez. Edwin Nunez. <laughs> um, just from like what their potential are, maybe the track they're on, depending on how healthy they can stay. Okay. Very interesting. Much food for thought for me. Sorry, I had to pause there for a moment to digest it. Okay. Um, so number 17 today uh, is Freddie Pacheco. Uh, he's on your list. He's another relief pitcher. So, Kyle, what is this? We, we've talked about this. Uh, relievers. Uh, why is Pacheco higher than a guy like Walsh, who's another reliever, but he's on the 40-man? Is it a consistency thing? Like um, like, like we were just talking kind of Nunez, hence. Um, I did, speaking of the consistency, I did, the, I did a little bit of research on Pacheco. So, Pacheco had 41 outings this year. In 22 of them, he gave up zero hits. In 19 of them, he walked zero. Um, In 31 of them, he didn't allow a run. In 29 of them, he had multiple strikeouts. Uh, In 31 of them, he didn't allow an extra base hit. And he only went more than three outs in 19 of those 41 outings. So it's not like these were super long outings um, to have these multiple strikeouts. 
Uh, he did go up to eight outs at one point. So, he's, so that's two and two-thirds innings. He struck out five on that game, though, on August 5th. Is yeah, it that, that was consistency? A- that- oh, go ahead. No, that game that game is one of those games during the 2021 season that sticks out to me because he came in and he saved that game. And uh, Springfield ended up winning that game because he came in and pitched, I want to say, three innings that that like I'll never forget that he was so sharp and so dynamic. And uh, honestly, whenever I think about him in his 2021 season, even though he was really good in Memphis's bullpen, that's the, the game I that's always the game think you of. go back to. Yeah. Okay, so is it the consistency that has him ahead of Walsh, or is it something else? It's not consistency. They, you know, those those stats that you brought up are awesome. Uh, what I think I said in the write-up, and again, it's been, I mean, what, at this point, Ben, it's probably been five months since four, I've written it. Four or five months, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, like, I remember thinking that the only time Freddie Pacheco ever struggled is when he was getting overused, like maybe three, t- three appearances in four days or three appearances in five days. Uh, it seemed like he would just miss his spot, and you know right away – after the first batter, if he was going to be effective or not, uh, by because he he you just know right away he's just one of those guys. What I see when I look at Freddie Pacheco is a guy who, with his slider, which he only throws like twenty percent of the time, he gets fifty percent swinging strikes on it, and mm. a fastball that he gets like thirty five percent swinging strikes on, uh, and a you know he strikes out what forty four percent of batters, somewhere between forty three and forty six percent of batters. So, if handled right, this is a very, very valuable bullpen option that isn't just good, it's dominant. Uh, now, he doesn't throw anything else other than four seams and sliders, uh, so you got a little bit of work to, a little bit to worry about there. What we saw in his one spring outing is that if he isn't getting it above 96, he's very, very touchable. Uh, you know, uh, between like 95 and 96, he's very touchable. Uh, uh, so, it's just a matter if he can maximize his velocity, get enough rest and let his 2,500 RPM four seam and his, uh, uh, 2,500 RPM slider eat. And if he can, especially if he's, you know, with him, if he can own the bottom portion of the strike zone, it's over for a hitter. I'm not, it's over for a hitter for any hitter in baseball. Because all it's going to take is one fastball up and they don't stand a chance. One slider up and they don't stand a chance if he can own that lower half of the strike zone. Interesting. This is a guy, just for a reference for people, he's thrown 143 major league or uh, professional innings in the Cardinals organization, has 241 strikeouts. That's yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's like one and two thirds Ks per inning. <laughs> for those people uh but the problem there is he also walks 6.5 per nine um so he's walked oh where's that column 103 and 143 innings and so could he be another arm that's more edwin nunez if he reaches the majors he uh, he or junior fernandez i guess he made me a believer last year now you're talking about the minor leagues it's a different story but i i will go back to a good manager and I guess with Major League Baseball, it's different because they've got that stupid three-men rule, uh, three-batter yeah. minimum. But a good manager will know right away to get them the hell out of there as soon as possible. I, I, I can do it, and I'm a moron. So <laughs> an average manager should be able to recognize that. Um, and hopefully, Freddie, uh, Mr. Pacheco, is very vocal about the way that he feels instead of... Um, you know, maybe trying to make an impression or something. I don't know. You know, I don't know the guy. Yeah. 
All right. Lastly, we're going to talk about the only guy who doesn't throw off the mound in this uh, edition, and that is Delvin Perez. Um, much ballyhooed shortstop who dropped in the draft when we got him because of um, prior ped use um, down in is it Dominican for him, or is that right? Uh, Puerto Rico, right? Oh, Puerto now you Rico, got me. Think, no. Hold on. It's, it's the Dominican. I'm stupid. I'm being stupid. Okay. Um, before you get into why Delvin Perez is, it is, it is Puerto Rico. How dare you question (laughs) wins this round? Um, before you get into why Delvin Perez is back up all the way to 16th on your list in your article, you mentioned that Perez has messed around quite a bit with his stance. Have you noticed anything that works particularly better than his other stances? Well, so specifically it was in the second half, right? Um, I, I'm pretty sure that in the article I wrote that he missed a little bit of time. I don't remember if I got into, spe- into specifics. I'm not going to get into specifics now either. It's not my business to share. Uh, but he missed a little bit of time. And when he came back, he just wasn't the same. He wasn't the same in the field. He wasn't the same at the plate. He looked tired. He looked fatigued. And it was it just came through. He just wasn't the same player after he missed a little bit of time as he was beforehand. And what I was trying to emphasize with the swing changes, with the stance changes, is that there's a maturity thing that's happening with Delvin uh, that is a positive. When we questioned his maturity early in his career, because this is a kid who clearly was dealing with something and was just trying to find answers, was trying so hard to work through it. And uh, it never manifested for him once he came back. But he's healthy now, and it's nothing but positives. But yeah, he was just, he was trying so hard to, to regain the success he was having. And that included changing his stance a little bit, maybe twerking his approach a little bit. Are tweaking his approach. Sorry, twerk's always on my mind. A tweaking, <laughs> tweaking his approach. So yeah, like that. That's all I was trying to really say there. Okay. How close? Uh, I know this isn't on the script, but how close do you think he is to? Uh, so in before the 2017 season, I mean, this is a guy who came in and, it, according to Baseball America, according to MLB Pry, uh oh my gosh, uh, Pipeline, according to baseball prospectus he was a top 91 to 79 range prospect in all of baseball what would it take for him to get back to that range do you think well if he hits like he hit before he dealt with what he was dealing with like that was a really impressive player i think at some point when we were doing uh uh, the pre-ranking for the dirty 35 or the dirty flirty or whatever ended up being uh, we, we said that, you know, there was a time when you could have argued that he was a top 10 prospect in the organization. He was pushing the ball all over the place. He was being extremely patient at the plate. Uh, he was playing just extraordinary defense, a type of defense that would be gold glove at the major league level, uh, uh with a little bit of consistency, of course. Uh, but everything was clicking. It's just that the, the, he was kind of betrayed by him, you know, not by himself. That's, he was just the, he had happened to him. What happens to baseball players? Uh, you deal with stuff and it just never panned out for him. So the answer would be, he just needs to go back to doing and producing the way that he was, what he was doing and how he was producing before he had a little setback, a little hiccup. 
because uh, if that's the case, and that's a major league producer, uh, whether it just be a defensive producer, whether it be something like Pete Cosma, uh, whether it be something like uh, Paul DeYoung or Edmundo Sosa, you know, I don't think he's ever going to hit for that power. Even if he puts on weight, it's just never going to manifest for him uh, uh, because he's just so svelte. And, you know, he's put, he's worked to put on weight, but he doesn't have like that frame for it. And he burns calories too quick. But yeah, like all he has to do is continue to hit the ball all over the place. Um, like he was before that thing, before August, we'll say. And I, I think you're talking about a guy who could maybe even if things got super weird at the major league level, impact the major leagues this year. But again, like in my personal opinion, I don't think Delvin is ever going to be a, a starter at the major leagues. Like this is something we talked about on pad. I, I don't think that like ideally, depending on how the world goes, depending on what you have, like I don't know if you necessarily would want him to be like your everyday starter, unless he is just absolutely hitting the ball all over the place. Unless his hit tool turns into like a 60 or a 70 or something like that, which it isn't. It's probably maxed out at like a 50, maybe 55. If you wanted to get cute, um, like at its, at its peak for me, but uh, this is a guy who is on course to still make a major league debut, which doesn't impress the masses for a first round draft pick but is still a victory. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm going to end this prospect uh, talk there because I think that's something Kyle does really well is, is bring, I've talked about this before of uh, bringing realistic expectations to prospects. Um, I loved our conversations about some of these guys tonight and uh, Perez's ends with us talking about, Hey, even though he's a first round pick later in the round, uh, getting this guy to the majors is really hard still. Um, and getting them to be productive in the majors is even harder. Um, and so, um, next time we'll get into our 15th through 11th prospects. Uh, it'll be a little bit less pitcher heavy, um, than this one, as there were four this time and only three next time. And then after that, we get into a lot more hitter heavy in the top 10. Um, so until next time, this is Ben and Kyle and Everybody have a wonderful day listening to this and look for the next one very soon. Eat Arby's. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Eat Arby's. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye, everybody.